Sinbad the Seaman and Sinbad the Landsman. There lived in the city of Baghdad, during the reign of the commander of the faithful, Harun al-Rashid, a man named Sinbad the Hamal, one in poor case, who bore burdens on his head for hire. It happened to him one day of great heat, that whilst he was carrying a heavy load, he became exceedingly weary and sweated profusely, the heat and the weight alike oppressing him. Presently, as he was passing the gate of a merchant's house, before which the ground was swept and watered, and there the air was temperate, he sighted a broad bench beside the door, so he set his load thereon to take rest and smell the air. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the Hamal set his load upon the bench to take rest and smell the air, there came out upon him from the court door a pleasant breeze and a delicious fragrance. He sat down on the edge of the bench, and at once heard from within the melodious sounds of lutes and other stringed instruments, and mirth exciting voices singing and reciting, together with the song of birds warbling and glorifying Almighty Allah in various tunes and tongues, tersels, mockingbirds, meadows, nightingales, kushats, and stone carols, whereat he marveled on himself and was moved to mighty joy and solace. Then he went up to the gate and saw within a great flower garden, wherein were pages and black slaves, and such a train of servants and attendants, and so forth as is only found in kings and sultans. And his nostrils were greeted with the savory odors of all manner meats rich and delicate, and delicious and generous wines. So he raised his eyes heavenwards, and said, Glory to thee, O God, O creator and provider, who providest whomso thou wilt without count or stint. O mine holy one, I cry thee pardon for all sins, and turn to thee, repenting of all offenses. O Lord, there is no naysaying thee in thy ordinances and thy domain, neither wilt thou be questioned of that thou dost, for thou indeed over all things art almighty. Extolled be thy perfection. Whom thou wilt thou makest poor, and whom thou wilt thou makest rich. Whom thou wilt thou exhaustest, and whom thou wilt thou abessest, and there is no God but thou. How mighty is thy majesty, and how enduring thy domain, and how excellent thy government. Verily thou favorest whom thou wilt of thy servants, whereby the owner of this place abideth in all joints of life, and delighteth himself with pleasant scents, delicious meats, and exquisite wines of all kinds. Indeed, thou appointest unto thy creatures that which thou wilt, and that which thou hast foreordained unto them. Wherefore are some weary, and others are at rest, and some enjoy fair fortune and affluence. Most others suffer the extremes to veil and misery, even as do I. And he fell to reciting. How many by my labors that evermore endure are goods of life and joy and in coolly shape recline? Each morn that does, I wake in travail and in woe, and stranger is my condition, and my burden nars me pine. Many others are in luck, and from miseries are free, and fortune never loads them with loads the like of mine. They live their happy days in all solace and delight, eat, drink, and dwell in honor mid the noble and the dine. All living things were made of a little drop of sperm. Then origin is mine, and my provenance is thine. Yet the difference and the distance twixt the twain of us are far, as the difference of savour twixt vinegar and wine. 
But at thee, O God, all wise, I venture not to rail, whose ordinance is just and whose justice cannot fail. When Sinbad the porter had made an end of reciting his verses, he bore up his burden and was about to fare on when there came forth to him from the gate a little footpage, fair of face and shapely of shape, and dainty of dress, who caught him by the hand, saying, Come in and speak with my lord, for he calleth for thee. The porter would have excused himself to the page, but the lad would take no refusal. So he left his load with the doorkeeper in the vestibule, and followed the boy into the house, which he found to be a goodly mansion, radiant and full of majesty, till he brought him to a grand sitting room, wherein he saw a company of nobles and great lords, seated at tables garnished with all manner of flowers and sweet-scented herbs, besides great plenty of dainty viands, and fruits dried and fresh and confections, and wines of the choicest vintages. There were also instruments of music and mirth, and lovely slave girls playing and singing. All the company was arranged according to rank, and in the highest place sat the man of worshipful and noble aspect, whose beard sides hoariness and stick, and he was stately of stature and fair of favor, agreeable of aspect and full of gravity, dignity and majesty. So Sinbad the Porto was confounded at that which he beheld and said in himself, Allah, this must be either a place of paradise or some king's palace. Then he saluted the company with much respect, praying for their prosperity, and kissing the ground before them, stood with his head bowed down in humble attitude. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the porter, after kissing ground between their hands, stood with his head bound down in humble attitude. The master of the house bade him draw near and be seated, and spoke him kindly, bidding him welcome. Then he sat before him various kinds of viands, rich and delicate and delicious. And the porter, after saying his bismillah, fell to and ate his fill. After which he exclaimed, Praise be to Allah, what so be our case. And, washing his hands, returned thanks to the company for his entertainment. Quoth the host, Thou art welcome, and thy day is a blessed. But what is thy name and calling? Quoth the other. O my lord, my name is Sinbad the Hamel, and I carry folk's goods upon my head for hire. The housemaster smiled and rejoined. Know, O porter, that thy name is even as mine, for I am Sinbad the seaman. And now, O porter, I would have thee let me hear thy couplets thou recitest at the gate anon. The porter was abashed and replied, Allah upon thee, excuse me, for toil and travail and lack of luck when the hand is empty teach a man ill manners and boorish ways. Said the host, Be not ashamed, thou art become my brother, but repeat to me the verses, for they pleased me when as I heard thee recite them at the gate. Hereupon the porter repeated the couplets, and they delighted the merchant, who said to him, Know, O Hamel, that my story is a wonderful one, and thou shalt hear all that befell me, and all I underwent, ere I rose to this state of prosperity, and became the lord of this place, wherein thou seest me. For I came not to this high estate save after travail sore and perils galore, and how much toil and trouble have I not suffered in days of yore. I have made seven voyages, by each of which hangeth a marvellous tale, such as confoundeth the reason. And all this came to pass by doom of fortune and fate. For from what destiny doth right there is neither refuge nor flight. 
Know then, good my lords, continued he, that I am about to relate thee. First voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. My father was a merchant, one of the notables of my native place, a moneyed man and ample of means, who died whilst I was yet a child, leaving me much wealth in money and lands and farmhouses. When I grew up, I laid hands on the whole and ate of the best and drank freely and wore rich clothes and lived lavishly, companioning and consorting with youths of my own age and considering that this course of life would continue forever and can no change. Thus did I for a long time, but at last I awoke from my heedlessness, and, returning to my senses, I found my wealth had become unwealth, and my condition ill-conditioned, and all I once hent had left my hand. And recovering my reason, I was stricken with dismay and confusion, and bethought me of a saying of our Lord Solomon, son of David, on whom be peace, which I had heard aforetime from my father. Three things are better than other three. The day of death is better than the day of birth. A live dog is better than a dead lion, and the grave is better than what? Then I got together my remains of estates and property, and sold all, even my clothes, for three thousand dirhams, with which I resolved to travel to foreign parts, remembering the saying of the poet. By means of toil man shall scale the height, who to fame aspires mustn't sleep a night. Who seeketh pearl in the deep must dive, winning weal and wealth by his main and might. And who seeketh fame without toil and strife, the impossible seeketh and wasteth life. So taking heart I bought me goods, merchandise, and all needed for a voyage, and, impatient to be at sea, I embarked, with a company of merchants, on board a ship bound for Basora. There we again embarked and sailed many days and nights, and we passed from isle to isle, and sea to sea, and shore to shore, buying and selling and bartering everywhere the ship touched, and continued our course till we came to an island as it were a god of the gardens of paradise. Here the captain cast anchor, and making fast to the shore, put up the landing planks. So all on board landed, furnaces and lighting fires therein, busy themselves in various ways, some cooking and some washing, whilst others walked about the island for solace. The crew fell to eating and drinking, playing and sporting. I was one of the wanderers, but as we were thus engaged, behold the master who was standing on the gunwale cried out to us at the top of his voice, saying, Oh there! Passengers, run for your lives and hasten back to the ship, and leave your gear and save yourselves from destruction. I'll preserve you, for this island whereon you stand is not true, but a great fish stationary in the most of the sea. We're on the sand heath settlement trees have sprung up of old time, so that it has become like unto an island. But when ye lighted fires on it, it felt the heat and moved. And in a moment it will sink with you into the sea, and you will all be drowned. So leave your gear and seek your safety ere ye die. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-ninth night, 
she said. It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the shipmaster cried to the passengers, Leave your care and seek safety ere ye die. All who heard him left gear and goods, clothes washed and unwashed, firepots and brass cooking pots, and fled back to the ship for their lives. And some reached it while others, amongst whom was I, did not. For suddenly the island shook and sank into the abyss of the deep, with all that were thereon, and the dashing sea surged over it with clashing waves. I sank with the others down, down into the deep, for Almighty Allah preserved me from drowning threw in my way a great wooden tub of those that had served the ship's company for supper. I gripped it for the sweetness of life, and bestriding it like one riding, paddled with my feet like oars, whilst the waves tossed me as in sport right and left. Meanwhile, the captain made sail and departed with those who had reached the ship, regardless of the drowning and the drowned. And I ceased not following the vessel with my eyes, till she was hid from sight, and I made sure of death. Darkness closed in upon me while in this plight, and the winds and waves bore me on all that night and the next day, till the top brought to me under the lee of a lofty island, with trees overhanging the tide. I caught hold of a branch, and by its aid clambered up on the land after coming nigh upon death. But when I reached the shore, I found my legs cramped and numb, and my feet bore traces of the nibbling of fish upon their soles. With all I had felt nothing for excess of anguish and fatigue, I threw myself down on the island ground like a dead man, and drowned in desolation swooned away. Nor did I return to my senses till next morning, when the sun rose and revived me. But I found my feet swollen, so made shift to move by shuffling on my breech and crawling on my knees, for in that island were found store of fruits and springs of sweet water. I ate of the fruits which strengthened me, and thus I abode days and nights, till my life seemed to return, and my spirits began to revive, and I was better able to move about. So, after due consideration, I fell to exploring the island, and diverting myself with gazing upon all things that Allah Almighty had created there, and rested under the trees from one of which I cut me a staff to lean upon. One day, as I walked along the marge, I caught sight of some object in the distance, and thought it a wild beast or one of the monster creatures of the sea. But, as I drew near it, looking hard the while, I saw that it was a noble mare, tethered on the beach. Presently I went up to her, but she cried out against me with a great cry, so that I trembled for fear and turned to go away. When there came forth a man from under the earth and followed me, crying out and saying, who and whence are and what caused thee to come here? Oh, my lord, answered I, I am in very sooth a waif, a stranger, and was left to drown with sundry others by the ship we voyaged in. But Allah graciously sent me a wooden tub, so I saved myself thereon, and it floated with me, till the waves cast me up on this island. When he heard this, he took my hand and saying, Come with me, carried me into a great saldab, or underground chamber, which was spacious as a saloon, he made me sit down at its upper end. Then he brought me somewhat of food, and, being unhungered, I ate till I was satisfied and refreshed. And when he had put me at my knees, he questioned me of myself, and I told him all that had befallen me from first to last. And, as he wondered at my adventure, I said, By Allah, oh my Lord, excuse me, I have told thee the truth of my case and the accident which betitled me. 
and now I desire that thou tell me who thou art, and why thou abidest here under the earth, and why thou hast tethered yonder mare on the brink of the sea. Note that I am with this several who are stationed in different parts of this island, and we are with the rooms of King Berjan, and under our hand are all his horses. Every month, about noon one time, we bring hither our best lands which have never been covered, and picket them on the seashore, and hide ourselves in this place under the ground, so that none may despise us. Presently, the stallions of the sea scent the mares, and come up out of the water, and, seeing no one, leap the mares, and do their will with them. When they have covered them, they try to drag them away with them, but cannot, by reason of their leathers. So they cry out to them, and butt them, and kick them, which, we hearing, ignore that the stallions have dismounted. So we run out and shout at them, whereupon they are startled, and are turning fear to the sea. Then the mares conceive by them, and bear cords and fillies where they make no money, nor is there like to be found on earth's face. This is the time of the coming forth of the sea stallions, and in Shah I will bear them to King Rajat. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say, when it was the five hundred and fortieth night. She continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the scythe said to Sinbad the seaman, I will bear thee to King Merjah, and show thee our country, and know that hadst thou not happened upon us, thou hadst perished miserably, and none had known of thee. But I will be the means of the saving of thy life, and of thy return to thy own land. I called down blessings on him, and thanked him for his kindness and courtesy. And while we were yet talking, behold, the stallion came up out of the sea, and, giving a great cry, sprang upon the mare and covered her. When he had done his will of her, he dismounted and would have carried her away with him, but could not by reason of the tether. She kicked and cried out at him, whereupon the groom took a sword and target and ran out of the underground saloon, smiting the buckler with the blade and calling to his company, who came up shouting and brandishing spears. And the stallion took fright at them, and plunging into the sea like a buffalo, disappeared under the waves. After this we sat a while, till the rest of the grooms came up, each leading a mare, and seeing me with their fellow sice, questioned me of my case, and I repeated my story to them. Thereupon they drew near me, and spreading the table, ate and invited me to eat. So I ate with them, after which they took horse, and mounting me on one of the mares, set out with me, and fared on without ceasing, till we came to the capital city of King Mihran, and going into him acquainted him with my story. Then he sent for me, and when they set me before him and salams had been exchanged, he gave me a cordial welcome, and wishing me long life bade me tell him my tale. So I related to him all that I had seen, and all that had befallen me from first to last, whereat he marveled and said to me, By Allah, O my son, thou hast indeed been miraculously preserved. Were not the term of thy life a long one, thou hadst not escaped from these straits, but praised by Allah for safety. Then he spoke cheerily to me, and entreated me with kindness and consideration. Moreover, he made me his agent for the port and registrar of all ships that entered the harbor. I attended him regularly to receive his commandments, and he favored me and did me all manner of kindness, and invested me with costly and splendid robes. Indeed, I was high in credit with him, as an intercessor for the folk and an intermediary between them and him, when they wanted aught of him. 
I abode thus a great while, and as often as I passed through the city to the port, I questioned the merchants and travelers and sailors of the city of Baghdad. So happily I might hear of an occasion to return to my native land, but could find none who knew it or knew any who resorted thither. At this I was chagrined, for I was weary of long strangerhood. And my disappointment endured for a time, till one day, going into King Miran, I found with him a company of Indians. I saluted them, and they returned my salam, and politely welcomed me and asked me of my country. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and see saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-first night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman said, When they asked me of my country, I questioned them of theirs, and they told me that they were of various castes, some being called Shakiriya, who are the noblest of their castes, and neither oppress nor offer violence to any, and others Brahmins, a folk who abstain from wine, but live in delight and solace and merriment, and own camels and horses and cattle. Moreover, they told me that the people of India are divided into true and seventy castes, and I marveled at this with exceeding marvel. Amongst other things that I saw in King Mirat's dominion was an island called Kassir, where in all night is heard the beating of drums and tablets, where we were told by the neighboring islanders and by travelers that the inhabitants are people of diligence and judgment. In this sea I saw also a fish two hundred cubits long, and the fishermen fear it. So they strike together pieces of wood and put it to flight. I also saw another fish with a head like that of an owl, besides many other wonders and rarities, which it would be too tedious to recount. I occupied myself thus in visiting the islands, till one day, as I stood in the port with a staff in my hand, according to my custom, behold, a great ship, wherein were many merchants, came sailing for the harbor. When it reached the small inner port of the ship's anchor under the city, the master furled his sails and, making fast to the shore, put out the landing planks. Whereupon the crew fell to the breaking bulk and landing cargo boats that stood by, taking written note of them. They were long in bringing the boats ashore, so I asked the master, Is there aught left in thy ship? And he answered, Not my lord, nor divers bears of merchandise in the hold, whose owner was drowned from amongst us as one of the islands of the course. So his goods remain in our care by way of trust, and we purpose to sell them and note their price. That we may convey it to his people in the city of Baghdad, the home of peace. What was the merchant's name? quoth I, and quoth he, Sinbad the Seaman. Whereupon I straightly considered him and knowing him, cried out to him with a great cry, saying, O oh, captain, I am that Sinbad the Seaman who travelled with other merchants. And when the fish heaved and thou calledst to us, some saved themselves and others sank, I being one of them. But Allah Almighty threw in my way a great tub of wood, of those the crew had used to wash withal, and the winds and waves carried me to this island, where by Allah's grace I fell in with King Miran's grooms, and they brought me hither to the king their master. When I told him my story, he entreated me with favor and made me his harbor master, and I have prospered in his service and found acceptance with him. These barrels are mine, the goods which Allah hath given me. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-second night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sidbad the seaman said to the captain, 
These bales are mine, the goods which Allah hath given me. The other exclaimed, There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Verily there is neither conscience nor good faith left among men. Said I, O oh, Rais, what mean these words, seeing that I have told thee my case? And he answered, Because thou heardest me say that I had with me goods whose owner was drunk. Thou thinkest to take them without right, but this is forbidden by law to thee. For we saw him drown before our eyes, together with many other passengers, nor was one of them saved. So how canst thou pretend that thou art the owner of the goods? O oh, captain, said I, listen to my story, and give heed to my words, and my truth will be manifest to thee, for lying and leasing are the letter marks of the hypocrites. Then I recounted to him all that had befallen me, since I sailed from Baghdad with him to the time when we came to the fish island where we were nearly drowned, and I reminded him of certain matters which had passed between us, whereupon both he and the merchants were certified at the truth of my story, and recognized me and gave me joy of my deliverance, saying, By Allah, we thought not that thou hadst escaped drowning, but the Lord hath granted thee new life. Then they delivered my bales to me, and I found my name written thereon, nor was aught thereof lacking. So I opened them, and making up a present for King Miran of the finest and costliest of the contents, caused the sailors carried up to the palace, where I went in to the king and laid my present at his feet, acquainting him with what had happened, especially concerning the ship and my goods. Whereat he wondered with exceeding wonder, and the truth of all that I had told him was made manifest to him. His affection for me redoubled after that, and he showed me exceeding honor, and bestowed on me a great present in return for mine. Then I sold my bales and what other matters I own, making a great profit on them, and bought me other goods and gear of the growth and fashion of the island city. When the merchants were about to start on their homeward voyage, I embarked on board the ship all that I possessed, and, going into the king, thanked him for all his favors and friendship and craved his leave to return to my own land and friends. He farewelled me, and bestowed on me great store of the country's stuffs and produce, and I took leave of him and embarked. Then we set sail and fared on nights and days, by the permission of Allah Almighty. And fortune served us, and fate favored us, so that we arrived in safety at Basora City, where I landed rejoiced at my safe return to my natal soil. After a short stay I set out for Baghdad, the house of peace, with store of goods and commodities of great price. Reaching the city in due time, I went straight to my own quarter and entered my house where all my friends and kinsfolk came to greet me. Then I bought my inooks and concubines, servants and negro slaves till I had a large establishment, and I bought me houses and lands and gardens till I was richer and in better case than before, and returned to enjoy the society of my friends and familiars more assiduously than ever forgetting all I had suffered of fatigue and hardship and strangerhood and every peril of travel. And I applied myself to all manner of joys and solaces and delights, eating the daintiest viands and drinking the deliciousest wines, and my wealth allowed this state of things to endure. This, then, is the story of my first voyage, and tomorrow, inshallah, I will tell you the tale of the second of my seven voyages. Saith he who telleth the tale, then... Sinbad the seaman made Sinbad the landsman sup with him, and bade give him an hundred gold pieces, saying, 
Thou hast cheered us with thy company this day. The porter thanked him, and taking the gift went his way, pondering that which he had heard, and marveling mightily at what things betide mankind. He passed the night in his own place, and with early morning repaired to the abode of Sinbad the seaman, who received him with honor, and seated him by his side. As soon as the rest of the company was assembled, he set meat and drink before them, and when they had well eaten and drunken, and were merry and in cheerful case, he took up his discourse, and recounted to them in these words, the narrative of... Second Voyage of Sinbad the Seaman Know, O my brother, that I was living a most comfortable and enjoyable life, and all solace and delight, as I told you yesterday. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-third night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sinbad the seaman's guests were all gathered together, he thus bespake them. I was living a most enjoyable life until one day my mind became possessed with the thought of traveling about the world of men and seeing their cities and islands, and a longing seized me to traffic and to make money by trade. Upon this resolve I took a great store of cash and, buying goods and gear fit for travel, bound them up in bales. Then I went down to the river bank where I found a noble ship and brand new about to sail, equipped with sails of fine cloth and well manned and provided. So I took passage in her with a number of other merchants, and after embarking our goods, we weighed anchor the same day. Right fair was our voyage, and we sailed from place to place and from isle to isle, and whenever we anchored we met a crowd of merchants and notables and customers, and we took to buying and selling and bartering. At last destiny brought us to an island, fair and verdant, in trees abundant, with yellow ripe fruits of luxuriant, and flowers fragrant, birds warbling soft descent, and streams crystalline and radiant. But no sign of man showed to the desk clear, no, not a blower of the fire. The captain made fasts with us to this island, and the merchants and sailors landed and walked about, enjoying the shade of the trees and the song of the birds that chanted the praises of the one, the victorious, and marveling at the works of the omnipotent king. I landed with the rest, and, sitting down by a spring of sweet water that welled up among the trees, took out some beavers I had with me, and ate of that which Allah Almighty had allotted unto me. And so sweet was the zephyr, and so fragrant were the flowers, that presently I waxed drowsy, and, lying down in that place, was soon drowned in sleep. When I awoke, I found myself alone, for the ship had sailed and left me behind, nor had one of the merchants or sailors bethought himself of me. I seared the island right and left, but found neither man nor jinn, whereat I was beyond measure troubled, and my gal was like to burst for stress of chagrin and anguish and concern, because I was left quite alone, without aught of worldly gear or meat or drink, weary and heartbroken. So I gave myself up for lost and said, not always doth the croc escape the shock. I was saved the first time by finding one who brought me from the desert island to an inhabited place, but now there is no hope for me. Then I fell to weeping and wailing and gave myself up to an access of rage, blaming myself for having again ventured upon the perils and hardships of voyage. When as I was at my ease in mine own house in my own land, taking my pleasure with good meat and good drink and good clothes and lacking nothing, 
neither money nor goods. And I repented me of having left Baghdad, and this the more after all the travails and dangers I had undergone in my first voyage, wherein I had so narrowly escaped destruction, and exclaimed, Verily we are Allah's, and unto him we are returning. I was indeed even as one mad and gin struck, and presently I rose and walked about the island, right and left and every whither, unable for trouble to sit or tarry in any one place. Then I climbed the tall tree and looked in all directions, but saw nothing save sky and sea and trees and birds and isles and sands. However, after a while my eager glances fell upon some great white thing, afar off in the interior of the island. So I came down from the tree and made for that giant sea. Behold, it was a huge white dome rising high in air and a vast compass. I walked all around it, but found no door thereto, nor could I muster strength or nimbleness by reason of its exceeding smoothness and slipperiness. So I marked the spot where I stood and went around about the dome to measure its circumference, which I found fifty good bases. And as I stood, casting about how to gain an entrance, the day being near its fall and the sun being near the horizon, behold, the sun was suddenly hidden from me, and the air became dull and dark. Methought a cloud had come over the sun, but it was the season of summer. So I marveled at this, and lifting my head, looked steadfastly at the sky, when I saw that the cloud was none other than an enormous bird, of gigantic girth and inordinately wide of wing, which, as it flew through the air, filled the sun and hid it from the island. At this sight, my wonder recalled, and I the story. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fortieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Simba the seeming continued in these words. My wonder redoubled, and I remembered the story I had heard aforetime of pilgrims and travelers, how in a certain island dwelt a huge bird called Yuruk, which feeded its young on elephants. I was certified that the dog which caught my sight was none other than a rook's egg. As I looked and wondered at the marvelous works of the old man, the bird alighted on the dog and glued it over, and its wings covered, and its legs stretched out behind it on the ground. And in this posture it fell as some glory be to him who seemeth not. When I saw this, I arose and, unwinding my turban from my head, doubled it and twisted it into a rope, with which I girded my middle and bound my waist so fast to the legs of the saying in myself, Peradventure, this bird may carry me to a land of cities and inhabitants, and that will be better than abiding in this desert island. I passed the night watching the fields, lest the bird should fly away from unawares. And as soon as the dawn broke and the shone, the rook rose off its neck, and spreading its wings to the great crowd, flew up into the air, and the ceased it to soar and to tower till I thought it had reached the limit of the firmament. After which it descended, earthwards little by little, until it lighted on its top of a high hill. As soon as I found myself on the hot ground, I made haste to unbind myself, quaking with fear to burn, though it took no feet or even and, loosing my turban from its feet, I made off with my best speed. Presently, they saw it catch up its huge claws something from the earth, and rise with the high air, and observing the narrow, I saw it to be a serpent being of bulk and gigantic of girth, where we flew away clean out of sight, 
and marked that the ascending barrier of bullets found myself on a peak overlooking a valley, exceeding great and wide indeed, and bounded at vast mountains inspiring high in air. None could be sky their summits, for the excess of their height nor was any able to climb up there too. When I saw this, I blamed myself for that which I had done and said, Would heaven I had tarried in the island! It was better than this wild desert! For there I had at least fruits to eat and water to drink! And here are neither trees, nor fruits, nor streams! But there is no majesty, and there is no might saving Allah, the glorious, the great, Mary. As often as I am quit of one man, I fall into a worse nature and a more However, I took courage and walked along the way, that its soil was a guide. The stone where with they lay in precious stones and horses and yards. For that it is a very stone in a wood, but on neither clay nor hard wood neither can be cut off on their throne nor taken, save by means of clay stone. Moreover, the valley swarmed with snakes and vipers, each big as a pond, that made but one go. And they came out by night, hiding during the day. Leslie Roots and Eagles pounce on them and tear them to pieces. As was their own, why I want not. I would have ended what I had done and said. My Allah, I have made haste to bring destruction upon myself. The day began to wait as I went along and looked about for a place where I might pass the night, being in fear of the serpents. And I took no thought of meat and drink in my concern for my life. Presently, I caught sight of a cave near hand with a narrow doorway. So I entered, and seeing a great stone close to the mouth, I rolled it up and stopped the entrance, saying to myself, I am safe here for the night, and as soon as it is day, I will go forth and see what destiny will do. Then I looked within the cave and saw to the upper end a great serpent brooding on her eggs, at which my flesh quaked and my hair stood on end. But I raised my eyes to heaven and, committing my case to fate and lot, abode all that night without sleep till daybreak. When I rolled back the stone from the mouth of the cave and went forth, staggering like a drunken man and giddy with watching and fear and hunger, as in this sore case I walked along the valley, behold, there fell down before me a slaughtered beast. But I saw no one, whereat I marveled with great marvel, and presently remembered a story I had heard aforetime of traders and pilgrims and travelers. How the mountains where are the diamonds are full of perils and terrors, nor can any fare through them. But the merchants who traffic in diamonds have a device by which they obtain them. That is to say, they take a sheep and slaughter and skin it, and cut it in pieces and cast them down from the mountaintops into the valley soil, where the meat being fresh and sticky with blood, some of the gems cleave to it. There they leave it till midday, when the eagles and vultures swoop down upon it and carry it in their claws to the mountain summits, whereupon the merchants come and shout at them and scare them away from the meat. Then they come, and, taking the diamonds which they find sticking to it, go their ways with them and leave the meat to the birds and beasts. Nor can any come at the diamonds but by this device. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued his relation of what befell him in the mountain of diamonds, and informed them that the merchants cannot come at the diamonds, save by the device aforesaid. So, when I saw the slaughter beast fall, he pursued, and bethought me of the story, I went up to it and 
filled my pockets and shawl girdle and turban and the folds of my clothes with the choicest diamonds. And as I was thus engaged, down fell before me another great piece of meat. Then, with my unrolled turban and lying on my back, I set the bit on my breast so that I was hidden by the meat, which was thus raised above the ground. Hardly had I gripped it, when an eagle swooped down upon the flesh and, seizing it with his talons, flew up with it high in air and me clinging thereto, and ceased not its flight till it alighted on the head of one of the mountains, where, dropping the carcass, he fell to rending. But behold, there arose behind him a great noise of shouting and clattering of wood, whereat the bird took flight and flew away. Then I loosed off myself the meat, with clothes doubled with blood therefrom, and stood up by its side. Whereupon up came the merchant who had cried out at the eagle, and seeing me standing there, bespoke me not, but was affrighted at me and shook with fear. However, he went up to the carcass and, turning it over, found no diamond sticking to it, whereat he gave a great cry and exclaimed, Haro, my disappointment! There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah, with whom we seek refuge from Satan the Stoned! And he bemoaned himself and beat hands, saying, Alas, the pity of it! How cometh this? Then I went up to him, and he said to me, What thou, and what causeth thee to come hither? And I, fear not, I am a man, and a good man, and a merchant. My story is a wondrous, and my adventure is marvelous, and the manner of my coming hither is prodigious. So be of good cheer, thou shalt receive of me what shall rejoice thee, for I have with me great plenty of diamonds, and I will give thee thereof what shall suffice thee. For each is better than aught thou couldst get otherwise, so fear nothing. The man rejoiced thereat and thanked and blessed him. Then we talked together till the other merchants, hearing me in discourse with their fellow, came up and saluted me, for each of them had thrown down his piece of meat, and as I went off with them I told them my whole story, how I had suffered hardships at sea and the fashion of my reaching the valley, but I gave the owner of the meat a number of the stones I had by me, so they all wished me joy of my escape, saying, By Allah, a new life hath been decreed to thee, for none ever reached yonder valley and came off thence alive before thee, but praised be Allah for thy safety. We passed the night together in a safe and pleasant place, beyond measure rejoiced at my deliverance from the valley of serpents and my arrival in an inhabited land. And on the morrow we set out and journeyed over the mighty range of mountains, seeing many serpents in the valley, till we came to a fair great island wherein was a garden of huge camphor trees under each of which a hundred men might take shelter. When the folk have a mind to get camphor, they bore into the upper part of the bowl with a long iron, whereupon the liquid camphor, which is the sap of the tree, floweth out and they catch it in vessels, where it concreteth like gum, but after this the tree dieth and becometh firewood. Moreover, there is in this island a kind of wild beast called rhinoceros, that pastureth as do steers and buffaloes with us. But it is a huge brute, bigger of body than the camel, and like it feedeth upon the leaves and twigs and trees. It is a remarkable animal, with a great and thick horn, ten cubits long, a middle bird's head, wherein, when cleft in twain, is the likeness of a man. Voyagers and pilgrims and travelers declare that this beast called Karkadan will carry off a great elephant on its horn, and graze about the island and the sea coast therewith and take no heed of it, 
till the elephant dieth and its fat, melting in the sun, runneth down into the rhinoceros' eye and blinded him, so that he lieth down on the shore. Then comes the bird Rook, and carried off both the rhinoceros and that which is on its horn to feed its young withal. Moreover, I saw in this island many kinds of oxen and buffaloes, whose like are not found in our country. Here I sold some of the diamonds which I had by me for gold dinars and silver dirhams, and bartered others for the produce of the country. And, loading them upon beasts of burden, fared on with the merchants from valley to valley and town to town, buying and selling and viewing foreign countries and the works and creatures of Allah, till we came to Basora city, where we abode a few days, after which I continued my journey to Baghdad. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and forty-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sinbad the seaman returned from his travel to Baghdad, the house of peace, he arrived at home with great store of diamonds and money and goods. Continue here. I foregathered with my friends and relations, and gave alms and largesse, and bestowed curious gifts, and made presents to all my friends and companions. Then I betook myself to eating well and drinking, well and wearing fine clothes and making merry with my fellows, and forgot all my sufferings and the pleasures of return to the solace and delight of life, with a light heart and broadened breast. And everyone who heard of my return came and questioned me of my adventures in the foreign countries, and I related to them all that had befallen me, and the much I had suffered, whereat they wondered and gave me joy of my safe return. This, then, is the end of the story of my second voyage, and tomorrow, in Salah, I will tell you what befell me in my third voyage. The company marveled at his story and supped with him, after which he ordered an hundred dinars of gold to be given to the porter, who took the sum with many thanks and blessings, which he stinted not even when he reached home, and went his way, wondering at what he had heard. Next morning, as soon as day came in, it sheen and shone, he rose in praying the dawn prayer, repaired to the house of Sinbad the seaman, even as he had bidden him, and went in and gave him good morning. The merchant welcomed him and made him sit with him, till the rest of the company arrived. And when they had well eaten and drunken, and were merry with joy and jollity, their host began by saying, Hearken, O oh my brothers, to what I am about to tell you, for it is even more wondrous than what you have already heard. But Allah alone kenneth what things his omniscience concealed from man. And listen to the third voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. Serpent and Awaiting the Vultures. Iron Petulu Apocalypse. 
diabolical pulchritude of the Precambrian era. Lapis Niger inside the Black Pearl. Artwork, Deprobots. Tiamakalan, sound effects from freesound.org. Opening and ending credits theme, Enderin, Steve Irwin, and Arabian Adventures by Music Bakery. Licensed by Audiosparks.com. Desert Gems Audio, copyright 2019. All rights reserved. <laughs>